Welcome to the Protectors of Cool Stuff podcast, where it's all about working smart now, so your patents stay protected later. And now your host, T. Marlowe. So just as a little background, I'm uh, Thomas Marlowe. Uh, previously, I headed up the IoT department at Fairchild Semiconductor. Registered patent attorney. Chief technology officer at Black Hills IP. Nothing is cookie cutter. Without a good aligned strategy, the best you can if you hope don't know for that, is it's just a bunch of pretty graphs and charts. The global landscape around IP procurement and enforcement is changing. Strategies have to fall and rainbows. But it's up to the business to the make the informed decisions. comes down to it's where IP strategy practice. begins. All that cool stuff protected by those rights, that's where the value lies. Annuities are a topic near and dear to my heart. You want to keep your patent? You pay your annuity. Welcome to the Protectors of Cool Stuff podcast, brought to you by Black Hills IP. You've got Giles here. I'm the VP of Marketing here at BHIP. I'm here with our host, Tom Marlowe, as well as our Chief Operating Officer, Dr. Melena Higgins. And today, we have an incredible guest, Dr. Ian Schick. Ian is the co-founder and CEO of Specifio, which provides automated patent drafting services. Ian is a veteran big law patent attorney, legal tech enthusiast, an entrepreneur with a background in physics, electrical engineering, and nanoscale optics. What I really mean to say is that he's really freaking smart. Ian was recently appointed the co-chair of the Artificial Intelligence Committee for the AIPLA. Welcome to the show, Ian. All right. Well, thank you so much. Happy to be here. So, Ian, would you mind uh, giving us just a little bit of background on uh, kind of your your time in, in IP and what's brought you to where you are right now with Specifio? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, so, you know, like all other, uh, well, a lot of other patent people, I started out uh, in a technical field. Um, I studied physics and electrical engineering and, and carried that through uh, to a PhD. Uh, but my first job, uh, you know, my first grown-up job was at a, at a law firm in Silicon Valley uh, that had a, a focus in IP. And um, I liked it. And, uh, you know, I was good at it and uh, decided to to stick around and, and, and choose that as my career path. Um, and I spent a, spent a couple years at, a, at the Silicon Valley Boutique and then moved to uh, Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw Pittman, uh, where I spent the rest of my, my 10 practice years. And what got you into uh, the work that you do with Specifio? Yeah, well, it was uh, uh, kind of uh, fortuitous. Um, you know, one of the one of the star clients uh, in my first firm who I was lucky enough to work with was a company called Language Weaver, uh, who was at the time revolutionizing technology uh, for machine translation, like convert an English sentence to a French sentence, that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the founders there was named Kevin Knight, and he's the one that coordinated the, the IP uh, part of their business. And so I got to interface with him. Fast forward about eight years, um, I was sitting at, at, uh, at Pillsbury and um, you know, I'd been there several years, I had, had, had uh, built out a pretty nice practice and um, you know, a lot of my clientele was in the AI area. And so I was learning a lot about you know, the technologies that are out there and, and how they can be applied and uh, had some ideas about how I might be able to leverage technology in my own practice and uh, reached out to Kevin kind of out of the blue. We'd been out of touch for years and um, kind of laid out my ideas. And, and that started a conversation that 
uh, eventually culminated in uh, us um, uh, putting together a prototype system. And that was, I guess, towards the end of 2016. And uh, when we, I guess I'll speak for myself, the first time that I saw a, a computer drafted patent application on my screen, it was a total moment for me. Um, <laughs> I felt like I was looking at the future and, and actually resigned from the resigned from the law firm about uh, two weeks later, moved my family up to L.A. and started the company with uh, with Kevin. Oh, that so is quite the moment. Then. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't spend yeah. too much time thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there was a lot of lead up to that. But um, sure. you know, once we got it working, it was, it was just too compelling not to pursue. Cool. Well, this I, I, I honestly I love this idea of automated patent drafting. Uh, I remember in my days doing uh, prep and pros work that the kind of the, the bane of my work was drafting the spa. I loved putting together claims, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, and, and coming up with the right scope of protection mm -hmm. for the invention, and then it was a slog through the specification to get that taken care of. And, you know, at the time I always thought, oh, this, there's got to be a w better way to get this done because it seems like I'm just kind of pulling a lot of, a lot of form and not a whole lot of creativity, mm -hmm. you know, just out, out of my brain onto the paper. And it takes time and time. And it sounds like, you know, you probably had a similar idea, but decided to solve the problem. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm I'm not the the first person to dream this dream, but uh, you know, lucky enough to have the opportunity to to pursue it. Um, I I think your experience is is a pretty common one. You know, the drafting claims is is truly an art form. You know, it takes years of apprenticeship to get really good at. Um, the the specification drafting though, I mean, it's it's very mechanical and. Um, you know, does not really leverage uh, the, the, the talent of the uh, practitioners like the claims do. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it, exactly right. So you, it sounds like you, you got that down that road because it, was it similar that you were facing, you were faced with this is, this has got to be, there's got to be an easier way to do this. Oh, and, and you happen to have worked with technologies that have been doing things in adjacent spaces, so to speak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, you know, there's different views on, on um, AI's place in the legal space. You know, people generally uh, think that either AI is a potential replacement for AI, or excuse me, for, for, for lawyers in general, or um, that AI is something that can complement uh, lawyers in their work, uh, but not necessarily a, a replacement. And that's definitely the camp that, that I'm in. Um, you know, we were uh, pretty focused on, on three specific uh, problems that we wanted to use this technology uh, for leverage in, in patent practice. And that was, you know, making the job more fulfilling for the practitioner. So you know, they're spending less of their time on that you know, rote and, and mundane part of their job and, and spending more of their energy on, uh, I guess, the, the intellectually uh, stimulating parts. Um, mm -hmm. There's also, you know, the issue of profitability with, with patent practices. 
Um, fees collected for for patents uh, or for for preparing patents has been you know, almost flat for a decade, and of course, in that time, in, I think um, in some cases it would be nice if they were flat. <laughs> on the client, from what I've seen. Well, for 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 software patent applications, you know, at least industry wide, the number has been kind of hovering around eleven thousand dollars for a decade, mm -hmm. and in that time, you know, every other cost has gone up, uh, salaries and overhead, and you know, because of that, law firms are, are really feeling a squeeze, and you know, I've, I've definitely felt that myself in my last few years of practice. Um, so, so an ability to bring down the cost of producing patent applications uh, from a practice profitability standpoint. And then finally, um, improving uh, the service to patent owners. Um, so providing uh, consistently good product, uh, work product, uh, faster and at a, at a lower cost. Well, you know, I, I, I think I can confidently say uh, on behalf of Melana and I that we are strongly in your camp uh, as well. Definitely. <laughs> you know, that AI is not is so much of a risk to the job or the, the profession of, of the attorney, but a way to make the attorney better or to help yeah. To yeah. Help yeah. The way that you know, we I think is removing the mundane and, and freeing you up to do more of the creative. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, however, however the impact shapes up, um, it will definitely change and, and in some ways fundamentally change the way that, that lawyers practice. Um, but I think that change is going to be positive, just like you're saying, oh. Lena. I think that the the job is going to be more satisfying and um, you know, more more attractive. Well, it's it's positive, and because of that second point that you mentioned, the profit profitability point, it, inevitable, Absolutely. because as soon as some start to realize the benefits, uh, it'll be hard to compete. And I'm glad that you mentioned the third point, uh, improving service, um, you know, which, you know, we kind of pitch the same thing here from the perspective of quality. Yeah. That, that mundane, uh, whether it's repetitive or uh, standardized uh, type of work, uh, a computer can do with so much higher quality um, and consistency yeah. uh, than even even the best um, practitioners. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's a good point that is, I think, oftentimes uh, overlooked. It's you know, AI is not just there to um, I, don't, I don't know decrease labor, mm -hmm. so to speak. Uh, maybe maybe things end up costing the same, but you get a better product out of it at, at the end of the day, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And faster, Ian. Talk about talk about the timing of this. So when I was a patent agent drafting a patent application, you know, including the claims and the stuff, would take on a in a in a good day or in a good week, it would take a week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How fast can your software do this? Yeah. So just I guess for for those who who aren't familiar with our system. Um, we take uh, attorney drafted claims and convert that into a first draft application, uh, which then the attorney can take and, and bolster and, and finalize for filing. 
Um, the drafts that we create uh, are generally about you know, 20 to 30 pages. Uh, and we even create uh, some basic drawing figures. So right now we're focused in the, in the software space. So we take as input method claims and uh, the figures and, and, and the spec that we uh, generate uh, support a, a system for performing the method as well as uh, the, the method itself, of course. Um, the turnaround time is just about two minutes. Uh, huh. So our, our system works over email, uh, so there's no um, you know, complicated interface to learn. The, the attorney just writes claims, puts it in a Word document, emails that to our system, and literally about two minutes later gets a reply email uh, with a, a draft application attached. So it's, it's that quick. You know, write your claims, send the email, get up and go, get a cup of coffee, and come back to uh, a partially completed draft. It's almost like... It's, it's almost like the robotic associate that, that you're working with. Yeah, not, not very creative, but really, really fast. <laughs> yeah, and, and consistent and accurate. Exactly, yep. Oh, that is, so you don't need, you don't need, is, is there even a, uh, a UI or interface that you would have to go into? So we do, we do have a UI, um, and it's for customization. So we have a feature set called Doc Plants, which allows our users to uh, customize the appearance, content, and structure of the applications that we generate. Sure. Uh, so the goal there is to you know, actually uh, produce drafts that look and read like our users' own prior work. Um, and uh, so the, the Doc Plans is a, a self-serve feature that users can log into our website, uh, design different doc plans, um, say for different clients, uh, technologies or reviewers, um, and even share those with uh, colleagues within their within their firm. Um, but it's meant as, uh, you know, really as a kind of set it and forget it type of feature. So sure. Once they get their, their preferences dialed in, um, you know, that, that's it. From, from then on, it's just a, a service over email. Oh, I like that. That's simple. Mm -hmm. Really yeah, simple. Very simple. So potentially a, a law firm could go in and set a standard, uh, did you call it a doc plan? Right, yeah. For, for the firm or for, you know, maybe specific ones for specific clients and then any of the attorneys, you'd get consistency across the attorneys that were using that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, so especially for, you know, partners who are managing these individual uh, portfolios, when they have you know, new associates coming into their group, they can just point to the appropriate doc plan, and then they're going to get the work product that, that they expect and that their client expects. Very cool. So, if can you can you go into a little bit of how kind of the AI or language processing side of your technology? Mm -hmm. Uh, works without, in, you know, without giving away your secret sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, <clears throat> our system really has kind of two halves. It's got a, a, a natural language processing half um, that takes the input claims and, and kind of digests those, uh, so to speak. Um, the goal there is to develop a, a language model um, that expresses the content of the claims but is in a format that computers can understand. Um, the other half of the system is uh, natural language generation. So that's where we're um, taking the information from the language model, uh, information from the doc plans, and putting together the application. 
Um, so on, on both sides, you know, it's a pretty complicated pipeline, and there's mm -hmm. a lot of aspects that are rule-based and a lot of aspects that are AI-based. Um, as far as what types of AI we use, uh, it, it, it kind of covers the, the full gamut. You know, there are so many different AI tools out there um, that are all good at, at very specific things, and so we you know, leverage the appropriate AI for, for you know, what we're trying to do at that point in the pipeline. Um, you know, all the way from kind of classic AI, um, you know, classifiers like support vector machines, mm -hmm. um, all the way to, you know, the most advanced uh, uh, RNN uh, systems. So, got a lot in there. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, so um, you must get pretty, pretty positive feedback from, uh, from your customers. Um, do you do you ever get a sense of kind of what what sort of efficiencies um, folks who are using the software are kind of seeing in the real world? Yeah, so we uh, our users report a time savings uh, around five to eight hours, so it's half a day or a day, um, you know, off of their project. Uh, you know, for for kind of cookie cutter software patent applications for you know high volume filers, um, you know if those applications are 25 hours, it's like a three day project. Mm -hmm. We can make that a two day project, uh, and the law firm's charging a flat fee. Um, you know, it can pretty have a pretty drastic uh, impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Wow, that's that's pretty interesting. And like. That's not nominal as far as yeah. as savings go. No, you know, and in, in some cases, you know, the uh, the efficiency gain is so great that you know we can take our fee, the law firm can improve their margin, and the end client can receive a discount. So it's kind of a three-way win. That's 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 the best case scenario, in my opinion. How how do you do? Uh, I guess speaking monetarily, how do you set up your pricing structure? Is it a Kind of per application, monthly fee. Yeah, so we do we do kind of a blend between subscription and uh, uh, transactional. So we charge a, a base monthly fee that covers mm -hmm. a certain number of applications, and then beyond that, we charge per application. Okay. Uh, so that base that base monthly fee is kind of like a minimum monthly commitment. Sure. Um, and then the the prices, you know, the per application prices, uh, work out to be between 500 and 1,000 per draft, kind of depending on volume. Yeah, and if you think about that saving, five, five to eight hours, it, I mean, there's mm -hmm. there's clear money, uh, a clear value in it. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, unless unless somehow you're you're billing under. $100 an hour, which <laughs> Well, you know, they're, they're, the, the kind of industry reaction to the price pressure and the fact that there's less practitioners entering the field these days um, has been, you know, pretty, uh, pretty diverse. You know, I think the most common reaction is to push the work down to junior associates and heavier reliance on patent agents. Um, but you hear about firms uh, outsourcing. Uh, sometimes it's domestic, and sometimes they're you know they're even sending cases to India. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the case of India, of course, you know they can uh, compete with us on price on a per application basis for sure. Um, the main difference is that 
you know, with us, the quality is controlled by the practitioner at the law firm. Um, so generally, I think that the quality and the, you know, how relevant the claims are to the client's business are, are mm-hmm. better, you know, with, with the law firm in control of that part. Um, and then the turnaround time. You know, if you're paying a person to do it, even if they charge 100 bucks an hour, um, you know, you still have to wait uh, for them to complete the work. Yeah. Uh, and with us, the turnaround time is you know, almost instant. Yeah. I, I, you won't see too many specs turned around in two minutes. No. Or even five. <laughs> by, by any even kind of a person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and I suppose you also don't have to worry about export control. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in that type of situation too. True. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All, all of our processes are, are performed uh, within the U.S. Interest. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. So, what does what does the future look like for uh, for your company? Um, do you see expanding outside of the bounds of uh, software applications? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, in the in the near term, um, we're focused on development in two areas. Uh, we want to you know, improve the the depth and richness of the content that we're generating, uh, the content that's included in our applications, um, and then of course we also want to uh, expand beyond software. Mm-hmm. Um, so areas like mechanical, electrical compositions, um, those are areas that we uh, plan to cover within the next six to twelve months. Um, you know, looking uh, further out, um, I can see the company uh, expanding uh, beyond patent applications. You know, the, the, the patent world is full of um, high volume, high value documents, you know, and, and a lot of them are ripe for automation. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see what's next, but I can I can definitely see that as a natural path. But I. I got to ask, what is it about software applications that kind of uh, led you there as a place to begin? Uh, A couple things. Um, One was that was my specialty as a practitioner. Sure. The more technical technical answer to that, though, is that um, software can be claimed with with, uh, pure functional language. And... um, you know, we can take that functional language, build a, build a specification out of it, and then make a guess at, at the structural features that need to be uh, included in the application. You know, with software, you have to show and describe a, a computer system. You know, so we, you know, we can make a guess at the structure. Um, when it comes to uh, doing mechanical and, and uh, electrical patents, where there are, you know, are actually physical components that are a part of the claim, um, we will uh, require an additional uh, uh, input. Uh, sure. We'll require um, the figures uh, to be a part of the input. So send us claims of figures. We give you back a spec that, that supports those. Got it. And maybe yeah. it almost feels like you'd, you'd need like a library of those components that are that are going to be used, whether it be a mechanical or an electrical or something with those with physical. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, pat- patents are, are kind of a unique area in that there are millions and millions of examples out there. Um, you know, unlike contract law where things are generally kept private, yep. uh, patent law, there's a ton of public data, and, and we, le- we, you know, we, we leverage that now and, and we'll continue to leverage that as we develop. That's, that's a good point. So how, how do you deal with then uh, looking at that public data and 
knowing that not all patents are created equal, uh, so to speak. <laughs> there are well-drafted mm -hmm. ones and there are not so well-drafted ones, mm -hmm. uh, as I'm sure we've all seen. Um, and uh, how do you, or, or maybe, maybe it ends up not being a concern, but as you start using some of that data to, uh, to inform some of the algorithms that you would use going forward, how do you make sure that you're not using the, uh, you know, that you're not having a system suggest based on learning some not so good practices? Yeah, 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 yeah. So one one thing that we're able to do is, you know, uh, filter our training data based on, um, you know, assignee or law firm. You know, mm. so you know we can assume that Fish and Richardson creates good applications. You know, there may be some bad ones in there, but in general, they're sure. going to be very high quality. Um, so that's, you know, we just use that as a course filter to, to weed out the uh, quality applications. Well, it, you're right. In, and I guess since you're, since we're talking about data um, and a lot of it, where no single application will necessarily have uh, a, a great impact in and of itself, if there are some uh, say bad apples in, in the bushel, um, they get kind of weeded out in the mass of data. Mm -hmm. At least mm -hmm. if you know that you're starting off with a, a mostly good or more than mostly good right. uh, set of data. <laughs> I have a related follow-up question, Ian. Have you seen any uh, any data on the other side, meaning applications that have been drafted by your system and perhaps modified by a human being? Have have they been in the process long enough to have been rejected, allowed, et cetera, yet? Mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. Well, so we, we actually have no visibility on the uh, claims or matters that we receive from, from law firms. Um, okay. So we're, you know, our system is fully automated the claims come in, they're processed, they're sent back, and mm. then immediately and permanently deleted. So no one on our side is ever exposed to that information. Um, so, you know, we may be able to figure out ways to, you know, identify which applications were likely drafted by our system. Um, but, you know, at this point, you know, we've been on the market for a year and, and the, you know, the publication time is 18 months. So, um, <clears throat> have not seen much, but we, you know, have had hundreds of patents uh, filed, processed by our system and, and filed by our law firm customers. So um, they're out there. Okay, cool. Very cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if you could, if you could pinpoint any mm -hmm. of those once that once they kind of uh, become published. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, it, I'm asking... it, it, it... <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, it'll it'll be interesting, and we'll feel good when some of our patents, you know, become allowed. Yeah. Uh, but really, you know, the threshold issues like uh, 101, 112, um, you know, those are ultimately in the hands of the attorney that's finalizing the draft. You know, for, sure. You know, there ha there has to be an invention there, uh, yeah. or else you're not going to get over 101. And, and the 112 issues, you know, the text that we generate is is. Uh, fairly flawless, uh, mm -hmm. but, you know, re reflects the quality of the claims that we uh, received. Um, well, and, and probably 
probably ends up doing a better job at ensuring that the claims are supported by the spec than uh, than do you know yeah yeah correct. so like you know some of the you know a lot of people use claim master as a you know final review of their applications um, all the element numbering the element names uh, support in the spec all of that's going to be taken care of with our system um, but you know to the extent that the practitioner is adding additional material um, you know like for example adding a new figure uh, describing that um, you know there's still potential for for issues with uh, with that language right yeah I asked that question in part just I spent many years in patent litigation and I'm imagining trying to tear apart a patent drafted by a computer compared to a tearing apart a patent drafted by a human that your yours would be much more bulletproof than the human drafted one <laughs> because of just the reliability and consistency right you wouldn't have missed issues but but mm -hmm. the point you just made is there's still a human element beyond the initial draft so you can't really rely on that alone sure. at least not today maybe tomorrow right you know until they until the rules change about um you know unlicensed practice of law um you know i think that we'll keep our model the same you know starting and ending with the attorney um and and, fr and framing our work product as as a first draft right yeah that that makes sense especially with like as you mentioned the art of drafting the claims and that's that's not to say that there's never a place for some kind of automation there mm -hmm. as well. You know, even as you get into dependent claims, uh, particularly yeah. probably as a as a start. But um, but it gets, let's just say, a lot more complicated. Yeah, and especially uh, as you go through the prosecution process and you get rejected and you have to revise the claims and then stay within the bounds of the spec. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very. Uh, I, I love this stuff though because um, at, at anytime you look at a process and you say there's there's an opportunity to take out, you know, s something that um, you know. I go back to those three uh, those three tenets that you that you mentioned. You know something that is not fulfilling to the practitioner which generally means it's not taking advantage of the skills that they have exactly mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. takes takes time which we all know in in the legal field especially the ip field time is not cheap um and can also improve quality in the service that the customer uh gets like that that's the kind of stuff that is is really interesting is and I think is what is the future of this industry yeah. and you know I well, think I think it's I think it's not just the patent world you know I think there are people in other practice areas that are also you know kind of uh, seeing the same opportunity uh, there's a, a company uh, that came out recently called legal nation and uh, they do something similar to what we do uh, with litigation documents. So you, you, know, you input a, a, a document and it will give you a first draft response to that document. Um, and I think that you know, there are 
uh, other areas where you know, we're going to start seeing uh, uh, seeing similar things, you know, kind of machine-generated first draft legal documents. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. It, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And then the the beauty of it is once once a few players start doing it, then it kind of sets the playing, you know, sets a new bar. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's, it's kind of, it's, you know, the, the, the parallel trend might be e-discovery, you know. At mm. first it was, you know, some crazy thing, and then everybody had to use it. And know? then and the think courts that, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and now it's just a regular thing. And I think that, right. that um, machine drafted and machine generated first drafts um, will eventually just become a normal thing for, for many areas of, of uh, legal practice. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, I agree. So, Ian, have you seen much competition in the in the space that you're operating in? Have there been other players entering that market? Yeah, there's definitely um, you know several other companies that are uh, you know trying to build tools around uh, around drafting. Um, what sets us apart is the fact that we're fully automated, um, you know, and so being able to have no human uh, in the loop uh, in our process you know, kind of uh, affects our ability to give comfort to law firms uh, with respect to confidentiality and, and conflicts of interest. Um, and you know, serve companies, serve portfolios where there otherwise would be a conflict. Um, the, mm. the other other companies in the space have developed tools, and they either offer that tool to attorneys, um, which you know I think that the adoption for those types of things has, has not been all that hot. Um, and then the the alternative is using those tools to provide a, an an outsourced uh, drafting service. So you're seeing that with um, like Turbo Patent, for example, uh, offers an outsourced drafting service where they've got you know a dozen uh, practitioners that, that use their tool uh, to to generate drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as you know, head-to-head competition uh, so far, there's there's no one. Well, and do you um, like with a lot of uh, AI uh, type of technologies, the the more it's used, the more data that's collected, the better it gets at what it's doing. Does that apply to, to what you're doing as well? Uh, yeah, but it's uh, not in not in the automatic sense. You know, we're constantly developing, constantly improving our systems, um, con- constantly upgrading technologies. Uh, but as far as, you know, some overarching AI that observes our process and or it, it observes users' activity and improves on that. You know, that's, that's that's not something that we're doing. Sure. Well, and I guess that's a part of your, um, uh, I guess, what you're doing with respect to confidentiality, where you've got to mm-hmm. uh, dispose of the document uh, as soon right. as it's processed, too. Yeah. You know, I can see it, it at some point having uh, separate models per you know, law firm customer. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, at, at this at this time, we we are not doing that. Well, interesting, really interesting stuff. So let me let me ask you just uh, it's it's not on the topic of uh, of 
uh, IP, but just generally, mm -hmm. um, because you seem to be a guy uh, who is interested in the technology space. Uh, generally speaking, outside of uh, outside of IP, are there any interesting AI technologies that um, kind of are on the top of your mind these days? Uh, you know, for me, um, you know, I'm most interested in in uh, natural language processing, and you know, so that's where. <laughs> Those are the those are the developments that I tend to uh, uh, tend to be most interested in, um, and there's there's a ton of cool stuff going on, um, you know, just in general business uh, marketing. There's a lot of you know, automatically generated content, mm -hmm. um, you know, and we're just seeing more and more of that. More um, natural language interfaces uh, like like Siri and the oh, uh, sure. Amazon product. Um, you know, I think that that the number of things that we interact with with language uh, is just going to keep going up. You know, whatever it might be, uh, an automated teller, our car, our, our house, whatever. Well, and I suppose blurring the lines between, you know, what is a person in some cases, you know, like a Siri or Alexa, yeah. or I think I remember seeing a newscaster in China. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I saw yeah. the Google demo. I forget what they call it, but oh. it was it was where it was making appointments for like a hair appointment or something, and it was yeah pretty realistic. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, we'll have to share some links on on some of these things. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Google one where it was making phone calls and interacting with people. Yeah. And the, that that there's a newscaster in somewhere in one of the one of the Chinese news channels that it looks like a person, sounds like a person. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't understand what he was saying. But, um, <laughs> but I, I mean, it's it, it's it's amazing the strides that are being made these yeah, days. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, Ian, thank you very much for uh, for joining us uh, on this podcast. Some really cool stuff uh, that you're doing. I think um, had your technology been around when I was doing uh, prep work, I may have stayed in the field. Uh, <laughs> I may have stayed in that work uh, longer. <laughs> Same for yeah, me. me too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, it's it, it's really interesting, and I really appreciate you sharing. Uh, yeah, my yeah I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, you, you know the, the things that you do uh, in the future we'll be keeping an eye on <laughs> on you guys maybe it will Absolutely. get me back into prep and crossword <laughs> we'll see about that well thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure and I uh, really appreciate the opportunity and a huge shout out to our audience thank you for watching listening and consuming everything we have to offer here at Black Hills IP and until next time, go protect all that cool stuff.